And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Al Baker. Pastor Al Baker is a friend of the ministry, and Al, it's so good to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's always good to be with you, and I always look forward to it. (laughs) Today in my reader, I got to notice that you have a second edition of your book on revival prayer. And so I thought, first things first, we could talk a little bit about this second edition and some of the highlights from that book and also how a listener may go about getting a copy of that. So take it away, Al well, Baker. I appreciate that. Well, um, I wrote this book actually back in 2012, and I I had been doing a lot of revival prayer meetings around the country, and my mentor, Dr. Henry Krabendam, who I dedicate the book to, has been very instrumental in my life in many, many ways, not the least of which is, is revival prayer. So a lot of what uh, is in the book I've learned from him. I've gleaned it. You know, I've kind of put it in my own words and so forth. But um, but anyway, as, as time has gone on, uh, that book has, has been actually pretty popular. And um, so um, when I got the book, when uh, as, as time went on, I thought, well, you know, I've, I've learned a lot more, so let's add some more uh, to this particular work. So that's that's kind of how that came about. Yeah, that's neat. Um, you are very dependent on the Lord, as all pastors should be, and your your preaching is, is not only in the pulpit, but you participate in open-air preaching, right? That's right, yeah. And I started that about 10, 10 or 11 years ago as well. And uh, I always say that when I go out and preach on the street, because sometimes people say, what are you guys doing out here? Why don't you stay in the church? And I'll say, well, I said, first of all, we have authority from Jesus to do this. Uh, He told us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. But I said, secondly, you know, if everybody went to a good Bible-preaching church, this wouldn't be necessary. No, But not that many people do, so that's why we have to do it. And um, so, uh, yeah, I I enjoy doing that, and uh, it's... uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, as, we, as we think about this, this whole issue of revival prayer, I'm reminded of uh, the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 9, after he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And as he comes down the mountain, he, he realizes that his other disciples are in a bit of a quandary. Um, they're trying to cast a demon out of this boy, and they're not able to do it. And what's interesting about that story is that in Luke chapter 10, earlier, Jesus has, as their, as his apostles, given them authority to cast out demons and yes. to heal people of diseases. And in fact, in Luke 10, it says that they were quite successful at it, and they were maybe even boasting about it, because they hmm. came back and they said, uh, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us, and Jesus sort of mildly rebuked them and says, well, don't don't think too much about that. Uh, be concerned that your names are written in the Book of Life. Yes. That's the most important thing. And so, um, anyway, they, they were having trouble, and, uh, and then Jesus uh, cast the demons out of the boy, and, uh, and then they want to know why they couldn't do it. And he said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Yes. And... Um, so the question, of course, is this kind. What does he mean by this kind? Well, it, it appears 
the, the demon that Jesus is now dealing with in this boy was, was very virulent uh, because it, it um, cast him into the fire, cast mm. him into the water, and all manner of things that are mentioned there in the passage. And apparently um, the disciples didn't have the faith to, to cast the demon out, and they perhaps were uh, basing their entire—they were presuming upon what they'd done in the past. Ah, oh, you know, we've done this before. This is no big deal. We've got authority. Well, this was a, this was a lot stronger demon. Right. And, and so I, I think that the way that applies to today, particularly in the context of prayer, is this kind. What does he mean by this kind? In today's context, I would suggest that we're dealing with people today who are far more virulent in their unbelief than we were 100 or 200 years ago. Yeah. Now, you've always had, you know, you've always had people who were uh, lost on the road to destruction. But in the, in the Western world, 150, 200 years ago, almost everybody went to church. And they didn't necessarily believe it, and most everybody would say they believed the Bible was mm. the Word of God. But when you go out on the streets today, you see that's not the case at all. People are, they, they claim to be atheists, they're agnostic, they're hostile to the gospel. And so while people have, you know, outside of Christ have always been unregenerated, on the one hand we could say people are today are just like they were, you know, 2,000 years ago, we could also say that I think the, the virulent strain of unbelief today is stronger than it's perhaps been in many, many years. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a grievous concern. Um, we see, um, as, as you put in your little note, we see uh, the Western world, you, you wrote, continues her slide into irrelevance. And this points to my own words now how that uh, Holy Spirit revival is absolutely necessary. I have a friend of the ministry by the name of Mark, and he often would remind us that we need a great awakening. May God send us a great awakening. And so, um, you know, I'm interested in um, government and those sort of things, um, maybe Uh from a distance sometimes, but our our son Uh is closer to it, and and um, uh, I see that people have a calling to these sort of things, but we all know that unless God intervenes with a change in the heart, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. amount of laws or order or structure that is going to help us. That's right. And, you know, I believe that uh, the Scriptures teach that Jesus is king over all the earth. Um, Amen. The Psalms speak of that, Psalm 67 speaks of that, and uh, Revelation 12 speaks of that. Um, so that means that His Word applies in every situation, even though people don't obey it and, don't, and, and ignore it. But that means that we do need Christians in politics, and we need Christians yeah. to, uh, you know, take, take a stand on issues, uh, and, and, pol- and not just politicians, but celebrities and uh, athletes and so forth. I was so encouraged by the uh, Los Angeles Dodger pitcher <laughs> who recently wrote a letter, you know, to to his uh to the organization and very strong letter rebuking uh the organization for having those uh drag queen, Rome, you know, mocking the Roman Catholic Church. And 
you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm applauding the guy for doing that. And of course, he's what he's going to probably be a Hall of Fame uh, inductee one of these days. So <laughs> it doesn't hurt that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, he's taken a stand, and that could cost him. I yeah. would be a bit surprised if it, it doesn't cost him. So uh, we need that. But you know, on, the only thing the government can do, or people in the public square of any sort. Uh, particularly in legislation, the only thing they can do is uh, restrain evil. That's what Romans 13 is talking sure, about. Sure. It's, the civil magistrate does not bear the sword for nothing. So it's a, it's a minister of God um, that executes justice. But, but the, the law can, and the civil magistrate can never make someone righteous. Right. And, uh, and so that means that Yes, we need those people in government, and we need to bring in just laws, and there should be justice. And uh, I was just reading this morning in Proverbs how God hates dishonest measurements and weights, Amen. you know, things like that. He wants justice, but that, but the way people are changed is through the preaching of the gospel. So, like in Mark 9 again, he says, this kind cannot come out except by prayer, and then uh, some manuscripts add the word fasting. Uh, and I think what that tells us today, it drives us back to prayer again, is the fact that people, they, they've got to be, they've got to realize that the methods that we're using today, some of the evangelistic methods or the church planting methods or building churches, is not really going to work. No. Uh, it's uh, apologetics, I guess, has a place, but that's not going to really change anyone. The Holy Spirit has to do it, which again brings us back to prayer, hmm. to yeah. have that, what I call in the book, the intolerable burden. And one of the things I added to the book that I had not had before was, okay, we talk about the intolerable burden, which I call a uh, an intense agony, grief, and alarm at the status quo in our personal lives, in the church, and in the world. But then the question is, well, okay, well, how do we how do we gain that intolerable burden? Because sometimes mm -hmm. we don't even know that we that we need it. Yep. And then if we have it, you know, I mean, we're, we're only human, and we have our, our fleshly desires and so forth, so sometimes yeah. we lose our edge. Yes. So how do we regain it, or how do we maintain it? So I, I have an uh, a, a excerpt in the book that had not been there before where I really stressed the necessity of that and how we actually go about doing that. I think people would like to read this. How would they go about getting your book, Pastor Al? Well, uh, you can go to Amazon.com and, and type in Revival Prayer, Al Baker. The subtitle is um, uh, A Needed Paradigm Shift for Today's Church. Mm. And uh, it's, it's on Amazon. They can get it very easily. And uh, so it just came out. Uh, we just got this up and running today so uh oh uh, wonderful i think I hope, hope, hopefully there's no glitch but i think we got it all straightened out so <laughs> yeah very good um one thing i wanted to ask you about is um we're in a month here that um the godless have chosen to call pride month um someone wrote that we need to call it uh fidelity month and uh, emphasize yeah. the positive, yeah. you know, based on God's Word. Yeah. Speaking of right. God's Word in society, and going way back in the pages of history, I, you know, I pray this doesn't happen in our own time, but there was a response of God to a very wicked, evil place 
called Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, I'm throwing this out at the last minute at you here, but can you quickly describe to our listeners what that was all about? Yes, uh, obviously in the book of Genesis, um, uh, Lot made his way. He wanted a better land, so he thought he's getting a better land, so he went down into the Sodom area. And uh, it's interesting, the digression you see in his life. He, he goes down there, he's outside the city, then he's inside the city. Next thing you know, he's sitting at the city gate. The next thing after that, he's kind of like the mayor of the town. So yes. In other words, he's become totally assimilated into that culture. Yes. And uh, when he said... Uh, that uh, the judgment's coming, his uh, son-in-laws laughed at it. And, of course, when they left, they fled. His wife looked back because she loved the city and uh, and was turned into a pillar of salt. So, yeah. um, and so uh, God is serious about this sin of, of uh, homosexuality. And in Leviticus 19, he refers to it as an abomination. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every now and then you hear people say, well, sin is sin. Well, no, that's not true. There's some sins that are more wicked, more perverse, more godless than others. Correct. And, and this is one of them. And uh, what you find going on in our country today with all the killing, all the dishonesty in business and so forth, this is the third stage of uh, falling away from God. In Romans 1, it talks about... Um, they exchange the truth of God for lie and worship the creature rather than the creator. That's the first stage. God gave them over, um, secondly, to degrading passions. The women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, the men yes. exchange the natural function of a woman and burning their desire for one another. That's the second stage of homosexuality. The third stage is, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer— God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, evil, greed. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. They're unloving, unmerciful. And on and on it goes. This is where we are. Uh, You know, just this past weekend in uh, my town of Birmingham, Alabama, there were six murders just over the weekend, three of them in um, uh, a part of town that I know very, very well, a very very poor part of town. I have a good friend who's pastoring a church there, and there's Mm -hmm. murders there all the time. And Chicago had 50 people shot over the weekend, and 10 were murdered. This is—now, we've always had murder. We know that. But there's an increase. There is. um, In uh, this black-on-black crime— is uh in murder is is horrific and my friend in this uh part of birmingham is a african-american preacher a very good friend of mine and he he reminded me and i haven't been able to I haven't substantiated this but he says if you look at the if you look at the black population it's actually decreasing well wow. uh and that the the number one way of death for a black man is murder oh and it's it's tragic. It's tragic. And this is what happens uh, when a nation turns away from God. And it's not just the black population. It's, it's across the board. It's it every is. part of our culture. It is. People need to get their mindset as Christian. I'm talking now, Christian people, that one of the things that you can't play around with, you can't entertain, is divorce mm-hmm. and, and splitting yeah. your family apart. That's... 
That's yeah. absolutely yeah. do not go there. Do not allow it. That's right. And 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 That's if right. you need the counseling, by all means get it. Because the That's right. Uh, the families, the broken families, and the the single moms trying to make a you know trying to get food for their families. It's just they need that that man in the home. Uh, we Pastor Al, we live near Newburgh, New York, and and part of our signal mm-hmm. covers Newburgh, New York, and the crime rate mm-hmm. is very high. And and when I asked one of the experts, he said, "Well, it has to do with a lot of the." Uh, Men in the home leaving their homes, leaving their wives, yeah. and and this breaks yeah. a family apart. So, dear Christian man or woman, mm-hmm. um, you may be tempted to do wrong. We all are, but do not mm-hmm. give in to this temptation of infidelity in your home and of uh, leaving your wife or leaving your husband. It just it's disastrous mm-hmm. to people. Yes, it is, and I see it all the time. Uh, the fatherlessness is destroying people, and yes, I've got friends, uh, you know, people that I've had in, that have been friends in ministry over the years, or people in our churches that grew up without fathers, and even if they had a father in the home, maybe he was, uh, uh, you know, never was involved in their lives, or even worse, was sexually molesting them. And yes. these these people did they pay a heavy price for that? And uh, yes, and you see it across the board. You know, when there's not a father in the home, um, the mama can do her part, but it's just different. Mm. And uh, and uh, and and I'll, I'll, I've always said, I've told young couples, I said, now listen, clearly the mother for the first year or two of the child's life is the most important. She nurses oh, yeah. the baby, she's with the baby, and so forth. But even by the time of two or three, the father needs to be heavily involved, not just in his son's lives, but in his daughter's lives. They need to see a loving father. And I remember my wife um, was telling me that she, you know, when she, she had a really good family, a good father. And she said, you know, I was never even tempted to fall into sin, grievous sin like, uh, sex outside of marriage or drugs or alcohol or anything. And and the the reason for it was I love my father. I didn't want to shame him. I didn't want to embarrass him. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, and she just, and she she was very content in her father's love for her. She didn't need anything. She didn't need a guy, you know, doing all that. She didn't need that. Yes. And and so we just see all the time young people that are, are, who are fatherless and, it leads to great difficulty. Now, God can overcome it, but even even when they're converted, a lot of times there's real issues in their lives. Amen. And so, yeah, absolutely. And look, no marriage is perfect. Every marriage has its trouble. No. And sometimes, you know, the temptation, man, I'll just leave this, and it won't be so bad on the children. No, it's always bad on it's the children. It's a disaster. Always bad. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. you mentioned applying God's Word in so many words, to all of life. And that is so important. Um, I, I think it's the Westminster Confession of Faith where it, where it kind of lifts up the moral law of God and shows that it's applicable. It's, it's always in season. And, um, you know, I think one of the areas, you know, our, our soft hearts, we, we say, oh, it'd be so nice just to hand some money to these people and help them out. 
that's not always the answer, unfortunately. Um, I've been hearing some feedback from folks over the past several years where people um, in the welfare system are actually making out better than people that are working their tails off, trying to make ends meet, paying all their taxes. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like people are at the point of saying, well, I'm not so sure if I should work so hard because if I slack off, then then the, the government's going to give me money. And I tell you, that that is destructive, and that ties back to the law of God, where theft, you know, via taxation, illegitimate taxation, and then redistributing that to others, I see that as a grievous evil in our land. You know, if you go back to look at the Old Testament, uh, clearly the people were expected to tithe. That's ten percent. Oh yes. And that money, that money went to the priests. It went to the. It went to running the government, basically. Uh, right. And obviously, if you if you're only going to get ten percent, it's going to be a very limited government. That's right. And then also, uh, it's interesting that the people were expected to give another tithe over three years to the poor. Mm. And so, in other words, it would be like thirteen. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, Three uh, percent mm-hmm. every uh, you know every year. Or so so if you add that together, what what God's plan was was that we would pay about thirteen percent in taxes. Mm-hmm. Now is that what we pay today? Oh, Al, <laughs> it, it's 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 not just maddening, but it's it brings tears when you really consider yeah. the damage that it's doing to people. Yeah. Well, right, and my son, one of my sons just took a new job, and every six months or so he gets a nice bonus. And, and so back in January he was getting his first bonus, and I don't know how much it was. That's irrelevant. But uh, uh, I said, where would you get your bonus? He goes, yeah, I can't believe how much the government took there out you of go. it. You know, and it's when you see it like that, I mean, you know, a lot of times you're getting a monthly, you get your monthly check, you know, maybe you're not paying that much attention to what the state and the federal are withholding and FICA and so forth. But when you, when you see a lump sum, oh, this is what, this was what your bonus was, but you just got 60% of it. It's shocking, Al. It's shocking. Yeah. 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 Uh, we yeah. got about several minutes left today. We're talking with Dr. Al Baker, a friend of the ministry, and um, he's part of can you tell us a little bit about your group, uh, refglobal.org, I believe, is the website? Yeah, yeah. REF uh, uh, stands for Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. It's an organization that's been around for about 60 or 70 years or so. It started off mainly uh, Presbyterian evangelistic preachers around the country. Uh, it's changed over the years. Now we call ourselves Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship because we have Baptists and Congregationalists and people like that uh, sure. in the ministry, and uh, it, but they, by Reformed we mean they hold the doctrines of the Reformation, like the Westminster Confession of Faith, right. the London Confession, and so forth. And uh, it's just a great organization that helps people get out and do evangelism. We have uh, people in um, a lot of people in the United States. We have people around the world. In fact, we're going to have a first time we've ever done this, as far as I know, is in. Uh, September first or second, somewhere right in there. I think it maybe starts Labor Day for a few days. We're going to we're going to be in Zurich, Switzerland, for an international conference. Mm. And a lot of our international workers are going to be coming together to, for four days of preaching and prayer and fellowship and so forth. 
So the ministry is growing, um, and it's and it just doesn't have to be men. I mean, we have women who obviously they don't preach, but they they're one-on-one evangelists and sure. that kind of thing. So we've got some of that going on as well. And uh, we love to equip people in evangelism. A lot of the evangelism is inner city work, um, uh, street preaching, uh, helping the people down the street uh, as we go, you know, share Good. the gospel with them or at abortion clinics and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of that going on. And uh, it's just a powerful ministry that God is using. And it, it kind of waned there for a little bit, but maybe, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, but it's making a strong comeback now. And we've got some excellent leadership. Our director, Rick Light, uh, really does a good job of, of leading the ministry. So uh, it's uh, it's I'm honored to be a part of it. And uh, I'm going in a couple of weeks to a, another closed country. I just came from one a few weeks ago where the gospel's flourishing. And a lot of these guys are REF evangelists that we're working with. And uh, just to, it's beautiful to see what God's doing in other parts of the world. And, you know, a lot of times I've, I feel jealous, like Paul talks about the the Jews are jealous because of what God was doing with the Gentiles. And <laughs> I look at other parts of the world and see what he's doing, and I say, Lord, would you do it in our place? Have mercy on us. That's right. Would you do it here in the United States? Yes, please. You Amen. Know, that's kind of where I am with it. Well, I, I see the clock has run out, and I, I want to thank you. This was, <laughs> behind the scenes, this was very much a last-minute interview, and you agreed to come on uh, with with no prep, and yet your constant uh, work in the gospel is, is prep enough. And so, uh, again, this is uh, Pastor Al Baker. He's written a book. It's called uh, the second edition, uh, Revival Prayer. A needed paradigm shift in today's church, and uh, the the second edition is out, and you can find it on Amazon. Did I get that right, Pastor Al? You got it. You got okay. it. That's exactly right, Dan. And and I appreciate your audience very much. It's always an honor to be on your program anytime. Well, thank you very much, and dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.